the Comedy Zone podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved. From Charlotte, North Carolina, this is the Comedy Zone Podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast. Email us at ComedyZonePodcast at gmail.com. Now, your host, Jason Allen King. Welcome, everybody, to the Comedy Zone Podcast for the week of May 13th. I'm your host, Jason Allen King, whether you like it or not. Man, it is great to be back. You know, life and comedy and comedians and all that, that shit, we're, we're back. we got a big show for you guys uh, tonight here uh, on the Comedy Zone podcast. We have an amazing special guest, and the promise of live stand-up comedy is coming back again. Uh, but uh, first, first, hang on. I want to introduce the, the man behind the curtain. All right. Yeah, there he is. Brian Baltashevitz, ladies and gentlemen. We're in studio, Jason. It's, yeah. It's, it's great to see you in we, person. We were able to fist bump. Yes, that's we right. I, I buried the lead yeah. there, didn't I? Yeah, we're, we're in person right now. Just we're getting our schmutz all over each other. We well, can't hug weird. because your head matches up with an awkward body part <laughs> on me. Right. So, but we yep. fist bumped. I don't hug was, anybody. Which was You know what? Not true. <laughs> I hug everybody. <laughs> that's actually not true. I'm well, a hugger. Me. I don't care. But hey, point of order, if I may. Yeah. We've been talking for several weeks about the reopening of the comedy zone and i'm and so excited to get live comedy, comedy this hold weekend on, hold on hold what? on what's that not this weekend what it's been pushed back i don't have a lot of details i just know that it's not happening apparently this weekend so no comedy this weekend there'll be comedy somewhere but not at the comedy zone but not at at the charlotte comedy zone nobody called me brian they, I, no one asked me if that was okay yeah i had to find out on facebook myself <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so i don't all right um, yeah so all right so, ladies and it's gentlemen awkward. yeah it's awkward because You're, we've been talking for like a month <laughs> about how excited this has been a we big build-up this really yeah, has it yeah. has been this isn't a bit either it's seriously yeah. well, seriously there's no comedy <laughs> at the charlotte comedy zone this weekend kind of a bit but it's yeah there's no comedy so that's kind of disappointing yeah. but you know what they're just all they're doing is creating tension so that <laughs> exactly, yeah. so when we get there it's going to be amazing but it through the credit our credit as producers yeah we may be in the in the six year history of the Comedy Zone podcast. This may be the best booking in terms of timeliness that we've ever had. <laughs> if there was comedy taking place at the yes at the Charlotte Comedy that's Zone right. this weekend, yeah, Get, getting our headliner for what yeah. was this weekend. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, <laughs> this is crazy. How yeah, far in advance we had to think of this? I, <laughs> <laughs> we got three weeks early. Right, right. This is amazing. Now <laughs> exactly. we're breaking records. And it's yeah, it's not happening. But anyway, you should still. He's still very funny. He is. He's, he's still here. So we, I should probably introduce him. Probably not. All right, let's time. let's do that. All right. So <laughs> our special guest. <laughs> he's a. Uh, well, you know what? He's a rock star. I said it. I don't care. No. He's a native of Charlotte, and it's honestly it's hard to know where to begin. Saying he's a killer on every stage. He's a monster comedian. That's easy. Yeah, the guy's hysterical. He's one of the best I've ever seen. That's a, that's again. It's not hyperbole. Not hyperbole to say. He's one of the most unique voices in comedy today. I don't mind saying that. He's brilliant. He's disgruntled. He's charismatic. He has a style that's his own, and it's going to be copied for years to come by a thousand comedian. He's been featured on Gotham Live, Red Eye with Tom Shilu, I think is how you say it. I'm not that familiar with that. HBO, a comedy festival in Vegas, a number of festivals. He's played clubs, venues around the country and around the world, armed forces tours. You can find his album, Tense and Uncomfortable, on iTunes and Amazon. We get to have him back in Charlotte, even for just for a minute. Uh, he raises everyone's game. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Hooper. Oh, man. Comedy Thank you, fellas. Huh? Well, I mean, the intro <laughs> erases the whole club moving the week nine times. <laughs> that's right, that's right. You know what I mean? That makes me feel good. I'm yeah. starting to get depressed about the week. No comedy this week. It's been moved back seven times. Now, but in that intro, I'm, you know, yeah, cheered up. We're back. That was very nice. That was very sweet. Yeah, Thank you. My oh pleasure, my man. Too I kind. Me I meant every word, man. Yeah, yeah Thanks, you man. are. You're a rock star. It's fun. It's fun to have you here for for a minute. Getting to watch you do do some some stages I haven't seen you on before. It's pretty cool, man. Oh yeah, like those small rooms around town. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's interesting to be back after ten years because yes. it was all just coming back to do the clubs here, and then mm -hmm. then leaving town again and going to the road or going back to New York, and now it's like trying to do these small rooms around. Yeah, with you yeah. guys. 
I like being back. You know, for that. I <laughs> yeah. wish there were more room. I just wish there were more rooms to do. Yeah. Here. So it's yeah. The scene. I don't know how much it's really grown since since you left. I mean, I think it's just still that that small kind of southern town sort of. Yeah, know. Charlotte's always going to be weird for some reason. I don't know with comedy, but it's like the clubs yeah. are great, and then it's just the scene. It's always I guess people coming and going, and then I, I've never really got a feel for it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the people who are here leave, and I think you know people get to a certain point and they just want to go off to a bigger place. And I don't know because when I started like 20 years ago, more than 20 it was like there was no scene really. So right now there is a scene, which is good. I think you but, guys created a scene here. That's that's what happened, honestly. A little bit of something. Yeah, yeah. it was like. Because there was a time when I first started where it was like I would stay in touch with my buddy and from Birmingham and the other comic from Memphis, and then we'd bounce jokes. It was like this scene across the southeast wow. of comics no kidding. versus just Charlotte comics getting together. Wow. And we do random spots, and Charlotte guest spot at the club, and then I'd go on the road again, and I'd just stay in touch right. with comics from the southeast that I respected and stuff, and that's the way it was. But So I never I felt like I came up without a scene, then wow. moved to the biggest scene in the world, and I never right. got the middle. You know what I mean? I go to towns like Minneapolis back in the day and they'd have like this healthy scene and I was like, they'd take me in a little bit and put me up at indie shows and stuff and I'm like, oh, there's like 20 comics, like a core group you get to know and there's another 50 that are young and coming up and they're like, oh, I've never had this. You just see the same 20 comics or you wrote like, yeah, and they're all really good and like... It's strange. I, well, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear you say that because you're such a young guy to hear you say, you know, 20 years ago when I did. It's like, what? When you were in grade school? Jesus. <laughs> Come man. on, man. I'm 45, so I started at 22. Man. Half my life. That's it. I'll be 46 June 25th. So I'm now reaching this is the year where I'm half my life has been comedy. Wow. That's that is insane. Kind of I insane. Mean, Back to being depressed again. <laughs> I am. I really should have motive. If I had more to show for it, that'd be nice. You know what I mean? But uh, I mean, I'll read the intro again. Uh, thank if, you. If we need to do that. I know. Like, uh, yeah, listen, well, man. You are. Yeah, I'm not kidding, man. You're the one of the best that I've ever seen. It's been fun to work with you, and we have. And yeah. and uh, so you're doing something right. Half your life in comedy. Is you're like, great. It, you're killing it down here, man. Oh, it's fucking thanks, awesome. Man. I appreciate Everywhere. it. Dry bar special. We're gonna promote that, right? You yeah. That? We well, last week we quite, talked quite a bit about it, and I'm sure yeah, people we pretty are much. No, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> look, you. I mean, you posted. You seemed happy with it, so I was like, "Oh, I'm glad yeah. to hear, man," because yeah. that seems like a stressful. It was, yeah, it was stressful actually. More stressful than I'm used to going up right before I go on stage is to being like, "Well, shit, this is kind of important. <laughs> I better not, you know, eat shit on this one." Well, you crushed it. Yeah, it, great. I, it felt pretty good. I, I like to think it. Yeah. What were you gonna say, Brian? I was going to ask you, Paul, who were who were some of the local comics who were kind of coming up, like whatever there was of the scene 23 years ago. Well, 23 years ago, Julie Scoggins. I was going to, yeah. She was here. She had done comedy a few months before I started. She had already been up a little bit. My buddy Randy Madsen, who's quit, like he quit in like 05, had been doing it two years. And so he was already starting to feature. Mm -hmm. And so he was sort of like a mentor and like an older brother in a way. He's a few years older than me and had all this experience. We became drinking buddies. And then he would sort of like help guide me. And so when he went to feature, in that day, you could get like bring out-of-town MCs. So he'd bring me on to host at gigs. And once I was ready to feature, he referred me in the club. So he helped me a ton. So it was like Julie and then Donna Carter was down here. Yeah. yeah, Donna and then... Mm -hmm. um, then Mike Spienberg started like four months after me. Okay. He, I started in February of 98. He started in June of 98. No kidding. So I saw him, Derek Blackman, who else was down here? And then there were like guys like DS that were already doing it probably a few years mm-hmm. before that. And so that was a crop. And then once, then a few years later, Joe Zimmerman and Carlos I was going to ask, they come, yeah, just a couple years behind you, right? Yeah, yeah Clint okay. Knorr and then buddy Scotty Osechik and Glenn Snyder. Those guys started together. And then the, they've quit, but then uh, Clint kept going, and then Carlos and Joe Z started. So right. I, I always get that confused. Some of those guys started in 03, and some started in 05. Right. I was, I was real drunk in that, yeah. in that time frame. <laughs> I was real drunk. <laughs> right. Well, I'm, but, I'm impressed by all those names, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, like, the people your name, and they're, those, are, those are monsters. Yeah, almost, solid. Man. Really yeah. funny. Even the ones I'm talking about that, are like, I say quit or left or, like, really funny people yeah. could have done it. Just, you know, they had other careers or right. wanted a different life. So they were, like, they had the talent. Yeah, it's a big, I mean, it's a big choice. Come, I mean, I think of all people, you can speak to that more than anybody else. That's a, that's a decision to do comedy full time yeah. in your life. I mean... Yeah, so like I never had, I started at 22, I had nothing, I quit some dead-end jobs, and then just, it was, I put everything into comedy, and I was just a kid, and then they were like, some of them would like started maybe mid-20s and had college degrees and real right. careers, my buddy Scott Norgren was like an engineer, Scott Osajic was in a, like working for Microsoft and like had a real uh-huh. career, and then so to quit that and go to comedy to make eight grand a year. 
Right. <laughs> right. I yeah. mean, I understand. Right. You know, Scott, when he Oof. he came to all of us, and at some point when he decided to go back, that's I, I use him as an example because he's making six figures, I think, and then did one year on the road, and made eight grand, and then they offered like offered him more money to come back. Oh, wow. And he apologized to us. He felt like he was selling out. And okay. I'm like, man, I don't know. I've never had that opportunity in my life, so right. you got to do it. And also, it's something wow. you really enjoy, just like comedy. I never had something else besides comedy that I enjoyed, yeah. really, that I could make money at. So I don't know. I can't say. I was all I, in because it's all I had. Yeah, I mean, yeah. listen, if he, if you know, you love what you love, right? Right, and, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and maybe maybe love's not the right word. Maybe it's like, ah, this is an opportunity to... To have a good life. I don't know what his family life's like. Maybe he's got people to take care of. Like He's I, killing it now. I think he's a millionaire and he races cars on the side. What? I mean, that's a rich guy hobby, right? Yeah, and I cheer him on. Hobby. And I love, all I see yeah. on Facebook is he's racing cars. I'm like, this guy's got so much money. I can't even imagine. He's got kids and a big house and nice. I'm like, I love it. And he seems to be having, he's not like really grinding. He's just something, he's, something else he's very talented at that right. he enjoys. Does he still tell people he's a comic? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think he doesn't want any part of it. I think I he's you. doing okay. great. All right. Yeah, <laughs> he got every, his time. I see every opportunity people have to say they're a comic, they usually jump on that. No, he did it for a while. <laughs> what I did see, though, the last week Scott did comedy, he was featuring, and he featured for me in Tallahassee. And I watched a guy that, you know, he was his last week working on the road, and I watched him go up drunk on a late show and have the absolute time of his life. Really? Like the best, like, la I mean, he may have done sets after that, but it was sort of, like, this is the last time I got to be in Tallahassee doing show. He got hammered <laughs> and did whatever <laughs> jokes he wanted to do yeah. and crushed. And I'm like, oh man, to like go back. Cause you know, I didn't, by that point I'd already gotten a comedy where it's like how you make a living and there's stress right. behind it and pressure. <laughs> and to see him just let go of it and have this set, like mm -hmm. I'm done with this after this. Did you like, take, yeah. Did you take that away and like learn from that? I like, tried to, you yeah. know, but you do for a while and it's, yeah. you slip back in your old sort of like, it's on you again. I've got to right. do this. I got to book this. <laughs> I got to go up. You have to kill here because they're watching this and that. And you yeah. need to set this joke and you start, yep. you know, strip some of the joy out of it sometimes. And you, yeah. you, something has to remind you every so often of like, all right. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, I get it. The algorithm starts kicking in. You're just like, yeah, you know, this joke's got to hit here. You change it a little bit differently, and suddenly you are, you know, you're on the chalkboard right yeah. now, writing out the equation as opposed to out there making people laugh and enjoying yourself yeah. in the process. And that was the thing of just yeah. trying to make a living at, it. or all of it was on comedy money and that pressure of it. So I, I never changed or never said it, like censored myself because of it or anything like that. It was just more pressure. You just did it. Yeah. At times, a little more uptight, and then you get better at that. I think of like, because you know, you know, you stand on stage somewhere, and you fought to get in a club for two years. They finally give you a week headlining, and then, you know, a table walks in the front row on a Saturday wow. eight o'clock show, and you're like, okay, well, there went fifteen hundred dollars or two grand. I just worked hard yeah. to get into, and I'll just in your mind on stage, you're like, I guess I'll just replace this next year. I got to find another club <laughs> to replace oh. this money. You know, it's not the right place to be in your head on stage, yeah, but right. now it's not just like, screw this. I don't care if I come back to Madison or wherever. Now you're like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to start over. The, 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 the psychological acrobat, acrobat work that you're doing on stage anyway, on top of, yeah. you know. And I shouldn't let and try to get better to blocking that kind of shit, but it, it creeps in there, you know? Well, it, this is a good way for us to dip into this. So your, your style of comedy you had you were so uh, i wrote some like descriptives down just like playfully disgruntled and like but it's not but it's also not playful like <laughs> yours your style and your approach to things is i mean i don't want to like quote unquote give anything away but can you describe it like this is something i like to ask comics like tell me about your style like what it because sometimes what they think what they say and what it is i don't think they always match so it's right. kind of fun to hear your you know, I don't know if I could put in a word because people like describe it. I, I don't know because I never. That's the one thing I never thought about. I think about the jokes. But I never thought the way I'm going to sound mm -hmm. when I get up there. Or some of the stuff's very cynical. I mean, it's my personality. I'm very neurotic, and then a lot of it anger. And then you get sort of pigeonholed as an angry comic. I never want to just mm -hmm. be the guy that's angry, even though I'm angry a lot. It's just sort of unloading all this stuff. I specifically chose not to say angry because I'm not sure that's that's not a fair assessment. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it is angry. People could see it, but then you get labeled as an angry comic. And people yeah. hate that. I'm like, that's, I don't know. That's like sort of one dimensional. And I don't think that's it's, all it is. I also think it's, I, too it's I think it's too smart to be angry too. I think, call, you know, calling on people and saying something that you don't, you don't like, and then giving the funniest description of why, why you don't like it is great. I don't right, consider yeah. that angry. I think it's just this, again, it's more, it's more acrobats, right? It's, it's more acrobatic sort of thing that you're doing. You're making people take something that would be 
ah, oh, look at this guy's pissed off about it. But then you think about it, you're like, ah, oh, shit, he's right. Hey, he's pretty, he's right about that. Yeah. It's like his attitude is spot on. Which I appreciate is, it. Cause I never yeah. thought of it. All I ever think of, like, I always thought of like, what's original, what's funny, what's honest. And I mean, you know, I know you can make the up things out of thin air. That's fine too. But I always thought like, yeah, what is original, original too. So I always think of like, sort of a lot of times you pick the unpopular opinion and you're automatically sort of in an original space there in a lot of ways yeah. and then try to argue that or make sense of it and then make it funny. And then, so I start from that place of like, really, that's one place where my paranoia, I'm like, I'm glad I was in my life. It's hurt me in my life, my OCD and stuff. But with like trying to be original, I try to keep it, make sure I hack check jokes. I just don't want to sound sure. like anyone else ever. And so if that makes the joke harder, or I got to drop something or fuck it, you know, yeah, that, find it's a working. new way. Because uh, yeah, it's, to it's totally unique. And I would, uh, so does your process too, right? I mean, do you write? Do you sit down and write? Are you a, or are you a, I have this stuff and then I'm going to work it out and then I'm going to throw throw stuff in on stage and hopefully remember it. I think out. it's changed. I've never been the person, I've always wanted to be the person that can sit down with a blank sheet of paper and write, or I'm going to write for four hours or two hours, and I never do. I Sometimes I sit down and try to force myself to write, but even now, like this year, like, I mean, this week I was like, I need to write. I had a night open, and I was like, i just in the mood to write something, but I didn't really have any new ideas, so it's like, I'm going to have to force myself to try to write something. And then you sit down in front of the paper, nothing comes. And then if I just drop that and go outside or do something, then I'll sort of have an idea and I'll just put it in my phone. So this past week, what was working was just sort of like writing your phone because there's no pressure. You just yeah. put a line in your phone. And at some point, the line, you're like, maybe a tag for that. And then I take it to like actually sitting down with like pen and paper. Yeah. I'm like, we're going to write this out now. So I do whatever works at the time. That's I talk beautiful. it out in the car. I write it in my phone. I write it down. Sometimes writing on paper works immediately. Sometimes it doesn't. And so I don't know if I have a way. I'm just like always sort of be aware, try to turn it on and try to think of it. Mm -hmm. And I'll look at my notes in my phone. I have like, oh, if I had a show this week, which I did until they moved it, but they <laughs> beat that into the ground. <laughs> it's a couple more weeks to write some new shit. But <laughs> So I look at a list of things of like, all right, here's a five or ten thing, a couple of which are probably ready to go on stage that could maybe get a laugh. And there's like eight things that are real loose. I'm like, I don't even know if I have the first punchline. And I'll just let those, you know, yeah. throughout my day, I'll just pick one or two and just sort of think. Yeah, marinate and, on it. Yeah, it. daydream on it and sort of and see if something comes and then write it down. And, you know. It's funny. I, so I've heard uh, musicians talk. I have some musicians of family and, you know, so I've been around a little bit, kind of growing up, whatever. And they'll say, don't always write in the same place. That's one of the things they say. Go go in a different room. Play play your guitar in a different room. I think it's a good idea. It'll feel different. It'll yeah. be different. And to me, that there's some fluidity to what you're talking about in that, you know, if it if it doesn't work to sit down and do it here, take it outside, you get your phone. Because that is kind of what I do too. Yeah. It's just like things pop in and you wanna you don't want to miss the opportunity, right? Yeah. I mean, how many things did you not write down and you miss missed a good a good joke or something? Yeah, know? absolutely. That's a, a lot of times driving in the car because you can talk to yourself in the car, and then I can you can sort of reach to your phone and just put down even if the words are spelled, you know. Yeah, right. Uh, it's like you can just sort of get it in so that you know, thirty minutes later, you're like, oh, okay, that's what I meant, or you find it the next day. So I do it that way. Yeah, walking around, whatever it takes, and then so. I don't know. I don't have any set way. I probably, there's a lot of times I should have sat down and forced my, anytime I sit down and force myself to write, I can get words on a page, but I don't think they're the funniest. I think it's yeah. like just, a, it is very angry at that point. <laughs> and not a lot of punchlines. <laughs> I got it. Because I'm sort of angry that I'm having uh, to do it and then forcing it. Yeah. And it's just a, a yeah, a so, rant. So when you first write, you're, you get any punchlines are coming out or is it more premise? If something pops into my head, a lot of times, sometimes it's the punchline of work. Sometimes I can get it to go like right away. Yeah. I'll think of the first line and it just sort of flows. Sometimes the rhythm of it is what sounds good to me. And then mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I like the way that sounds or the setup sounds. And then I can find the punchline. So I always think setup punch. And then I think of tags, which when I first started, I think I over tag jokes to save it, which probably I'm sure other comics did that. I would over tag jokes. Because I was like, well, the first one doesn't work, or the second one will, or the third one. But I go real yeah. deep into that, yeah. like five, six, seven <laughs> tags, and then you have these six-minute bits. Because I do that, and then change the angle on the bit, hit it from a different side, tag, 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 tag. And then <laughs> right. I don't do as many tags anymore, but it used to, I still have that. of like Think of at least get set up punchline, one tag. I never write a joke that's just, I'm out, it's, I'm done, like a right. joke. Like a joke joke. I don't know if I've ever written... A joke, honestly. Right. <laughs> just one. It worries me. I've had other comics say that to me. Like, I don't think you have one joke in your set. And I'm like, I know it's not a compliment, but I'm like, <laughs> I determine whatever. Tell a joke. I'm yeah. not winning it on charisma, am I? I'm not like just muscling through it. 
I think there are jokes in there. There's disguised. Yeah, I would say there are jokes because I saw you at uh, Penthouse. I mean, it's probably been a month now. You, we, we talked afterwards, and I was like, "Oh, this is great!" Like this, this, it's just going. And you told me you were doing new material the day before. You told me you were going to do new material, and I, and I talked afterwards. So like I couldn't. It's like it was kind of like, "Fuck you, man!" That was all new material. Jesus Christ, was <laughs> that wasn't all new. So I, I, I know what you, 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 you sprinkled it in, but right. it was like you could have never pulled out what wasn't. The, the new it makes me feel good. I always yeah. like, yeah, bookend it. You know, start with something you know, get your balance, and then put something new in. If it's working, try to find something while you're on stage, push it a little further, push it a little further. It starts to die, pull out, go back to something you know, and then mm-hmm. weave in and out. And then try to get off on a laugh. Yeah. And after the new thing works, maybe you can say goodnight and go. And if, if not, then you've got that one thing you've been doing that gets you off. I've never been the person, like, I saw comics in New York that can do it, that would just go up with a ton of new jokes. I have the great joke writers that can just go five or ten minutes of brand new stuff. Oof. I never really did, and I've just never done that. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. I could. I think it would be awful, but, you know, no, I like no. putting it in, and then I feel like if I, as long as I'm getting enough material out of it every year, then it sort of works. I squeeze sure. into a headline set or a ten-minute set and stuff. I've just never, and I also like making jokes sound I'm not the type. There's some comics that are brilliant. They can do it. That you know, it's a joke. Sounds like a joke, but it's original and it's great. Hmm. I don't write those kind of jokes. I like part of mine is like disguising it. Yeah, you want it to be a natural conversation and to flow and not be able to see it coming. Like I was at the bank today. Da 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 da. That, I don't know how to talk like that. That's why I think your style is unique. Is is uniquely your style. Hmm. No one would. I think would. You, you come off stage and we're talking like this. It's like wait, you were just. That's what you were doing, like. But you know, obviously, yeah, it's that, a little bit different. But like that—that that to me is kind of a one of the biggest compliments. Yeah, I, I appreciate think, it because you know? yeah, that is. I mean, it's the way I want it to be. Is sort of authentic up there. Of course, yeah. The volume is louder and this and yeah. that, and you might be faster. And it's all you talking, so you have the floor, so you go at a different tempo or something. But I want right. it to be authentic, even if it's jokes Very that much. you repeated forever that you're in it. And like, yeah, this comes from this is me that wrote it. it's honest. And I the thing I have done that comics give me shit about that. My buddies would be like, and had a point at some point, I would stick, sometimes I get too stuck to the truth. Like if something happened in life, I want to write a joke about it. Mm-hmm. I won't change things to make it funnier. Yeah. Which makes the joke harder to write in my mind, but sometimes it might make the joke worse. Like they'll sort of fabricate some things yeah. and change some detail. And I probably should loosen up on that. And I have it. I'm like married sure. to the truth. And it makes sometimes, yeah, it could have a better joke. Right. And people don't care that it didn't exactly happen. They don't know, sure. but I'm, I'm so, I, it's a weird way of like, bothers you a little bit. I got to tell it the way we, it happened, then find the funny on it. We had uh, Tom Simmons on here uh, a couple of weeks Tom. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had some uh, nice things to say about you. And I think was it that was it that one of the arguments that he was here? Paul was here more times. Yes, yeah. Between him and I think Brent Blakeney, we're all saying like who's done who's done the who's podcast. Done the and I think I think you still have hold the title. But oh, yeah. good, good, uh, good. But we talked a little bit about like that joke writing process, and I'm pretty sure Tom was like, yeah, making it make it funny. Like that dude is a joke writing. I love Tom like machine. We did the Bahamas like together before this whole pandemic, end of 2019. We did it co-headline took less money so that we could co-headline together, and it was it was great, and it was going to be like this writing sort of you know workshop that we're going to throw together and like watch each other's shows which we did but the first night i was down there like you've done the gig right no no i haven't been down there yet yeah, i mean you got to do it if it yeah. ever comes back yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> i don't know you got to do it hopefully it comes back i want to do it yeah and uh so then you fly in on the monday you have that night off you start shows tuesday so that monday night we talked so much for months we're gonna write together and stuff i mean i just went to his room i'm tired yeah and he just breaks out jo- he just starts reading jokes to me i'm like i'm, I'm like man <laughs> That's funny, I guess. And he's like, oh, this is the worst. You're the worst writing partner ever. I'm like, I don't write like this. This is miserable. He was just like laundry list. And I'm like, yeah. no. I sort of talk it out in conversation. I'm like, have, when I have an idea, I tell a buddy, and I'm like, have you heard anything like this? And he'd be like, no. And as soon as my friend's like, you should do this. I'm like, I don't want to hear it. I just need to make sure it's original. Then I'll try to write right. something funny. Or I'm like, maybe I'll go as this sort of, or try to sneak it in a little bit, but, and see if it's funny. Just, I want to hack check it first, and then yeah. I'll go work on it. I don't just ever have just a laundry list. Yeah, of jokes. no, no. That, that hearing that is like, of course, that's how Tom does it. Yeah, it's a guy. He's a, a machine. But I've also heard uh, David Tell on a number of podcasts do the same thing. His 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 fact hack checking and and like he's apparently will te- text people and be like, hey, you ever heard this joke about this filthy thing? I thought, and I, I just wonder is that because you've worked with him a number. Yeah, of it's, times. I think that's probably sort of what. Gave me like the early on. I heard he was like that, and he's a great comic. So I always thought like, okay, it pays to be paranoid. Look how good he is, and I probably like adopted him. And I worked with him one time, and I told him somewhere after a show, I'm like, listen, man, I got to the point. I do the same thing, but 
if I write a joke in the afternoon and I can't get a hold of a comic I respect by showtime, I don't do it. And he's like, that's fucking, he's like, that's crazy. He's like, you got to trust yourself. It's an original thought. If someone after the show is like, hey, that's sort of like so-and-so's, then drop it. Yeah. But you got to trust, because I got to a point of OCD and stuff where I wouldn't do it. Right. I'm like, so I miss a whole weekend of shows, not trying a new joke I was excited about, because I'm like, what if someone else in the world has done something like right. this? Yeah. And like, you just can't live that way. So you got to trust yourself sure. at some point. And then, you know. I've Googled things. So I'm like, I'm like this. I'm, yeah, I've done it, it too. For me, I'm like, that feels really familiar to something. Yeah. And uh, I think Google's, yeah. In those magical moments where something pops in your head and it's funny immediately, and you're like, ah, it's too easy. Too e- right, too, too easy. easy too, yeah. But sometimes maybe you just have a good idea. You have a little bit of inspiration that hits you and it comes out, you know? And like, there have been those lines that I've hacked check. I'm like, oh shit, it's just a line that I came up with and yeah. it worked. I ran it past everybody and it worked forever. Most don't come that way. So, yeah. yeah. So you I still like that. to hack check it. I trust myself yeah. a little more now, you know? Right. The too easy sort of comment that that the fir- first train kind of idea, yeah. but that's something that, and it hopefully doesn't sound too pretentious, but people outside of comedy, outside of stand up in particular, don't really understand that at all. That's why everyone has the same idea, the same joke, just the the average person or whatever. It's like, no, you can't do that. Don't do that one. Don't do that one. Yeah, don't. I don't know what that is. I have sort of a, I have a hatred, of course, of like, <laughs> I don't know what it's called, but it's hatred of that's great of that people's great. shitty hacky joke. Well, I don't even know. I understand that kind of people like don't have to take it as serious as we do. But I don't understand. I wrote something on Facebook today about it because of like my sobriety and that whole thing. Like people have said rehabs for quitters. That yeah. kind of shitty joke. That level joke that people will say. Normal people will say that and then laugh for themselves afterwards. <laughs> and I'm fascinated by that human being. Like you know that's been told, but you're still impressed. You've stolen a joke that sucked in the beginning, <laughs> and then you laugh and destroy it more. I got on stage somewhere in Florida and it ruined a show because someone said something like that. And I'm like, let me tell you one that sucks. Well, it's a shitty joke to an audience member. And just everyone hated me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I don't know. It was too mean. I probably wasn't funny enough. But I'm like, I don't know why people, even if you don't do comedy, want to say something that's been said, acting like it's your own, and then laugh at yourself like you're proud <laughs> afterwards. It's fucking infuriating. What joy do you get from that? Right. Rather than they think they've discovered it, they don't know because they don't rack their brains like we sure, do. Sure, sure. But they know their granddad told that stupid ass joke. Yes. It, it makes my blood boil. There is something about people repeating the joke and and getting the laugh that, you know, like you said, that their grandfather got or something like that. They got that laugh, so therefore, like, look, now I'm going to get it. Yeah, I know. And it's that whole laughing after, <laughs> afterwards that I'm like, do you have a learning disability? I don't understand how you get to that level. You're an adult. Right? I don't know how you... I'm too jaded to live in this life or yeah. something. I don't know how you get by. Like, I, that's... Do you, no. do you laugh all day? No. You don't laugh at all, do you? No, I mean, I don't. No. I didn't even mean that. No, never. Like, never. No, not much. Yeah, right it's like someone says something wildly inappropriate. Yeah, or the wrong shit happens, and that really makes me laugh. <laughs> you know what I mean? That yes. really makes me. Oh laugh. my god, absolutely. Yeah, that's one thing. That, like for me, I don't. I don't do kind of the that kind of humor necessarily, but I will definitely laugh at some some awful oh, yeah. shit that happens. Yeah, 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 I fall for it. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't laugh. I don't watch comedy specials. I don't do any of that. I mean, I can yeah. see a great bit. Oh, it's funny. I was going to ask that later. Yeah, you don't watch comedy? You don't consume comedy? Sometimes, like, I will, like, but I haven't even seen the greats last few specials. If you say Patrice O'Neill, Bill Burr I've seen, I love, and I've seen a co- two specials. Mm-hmm. I should watch the rest. I want to watch the rest. Chappelle, I haven't seen all of his stuff. And, right. like, I think I watched Bargatze's thing. Mm-hmm. A couple weeks ago. It was really good. Yeah, it was really good. And he's always funny. Yeah. And those great comics can suck you in with a couple clips. Like, oh, that's a great joke. Or they they know, like, the element of surprise. I'm like, they're great at it. So they can always get you and sort of laugh. But I don't watch a lot of stand-up. I just sort of want to. There was so much of it in our lives that I just don't want to spoil it. I want to still be into it when I get up there. So, And then, you know, there's other stuff comedy i listen to like phil hendry who's an old radio guy that i I listen to he's a podcast that's brilliant that Mm. makes me laugh every day and then i mean there's occasionally there's a line like to recite something that someone did that i thought was really funny there's a ricky gervais movie do you remember this david brent from the bbc office you know Uh, the office the original office i'm trying yeah which yeah so he did a follow-up movie on netflix or something (laughs) called on the road or something where he takes that character that character on that show always wanted to be a musician instead of an office manager or whatever and it was real (laughs) sad and desperate so he just did it like this is the guy after he leaves that job and actually puts this band together that sucks and the musicians (laughs) hate him he's playing in front of 11 people and he has a song in that movie 
where he's trying to do songs with like a good message and it's about handicapped people. <laughs> and he, there's a lyric in the song, I was watching it with my ex-girlfriend, where he's like, it doesn't matter if you're mental in the head or mental in the legs. And I was like, <laughs> dude, this is the fucking greatest thing I've ever done. I mean, like spit take in my bedroom. <laughs> it made me so happy. Still to this day, I'm like, that's the best thing I've fucking ever heard. And my girlfriend was like so uncomfortable with how inappropriate it was. Right, and like, right. I, she's like, this whole movie's making me nervous. And up time, like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And most of it was uncomfortable. It just fucking makes me laugh. Yeah. You yes. know, it's wrong. So it's, it's awesome <laughs> to me. It's really amazing. <laughs> it's so is ignorant. There, is there anything that you don't talk about? I mean, do you tackle most things? Or is that just not something that, that gets in your brain? Like, there's always a question of, like, what you can and can't joke about. I don't refuse to talk about anything. It's just whatever I'm interested in. Yeah. And, and so I don't really do politics because I don't write the current events. I ignore a lot of them. And I just, I never write like a lot of political jokes. I've had them. Yeah. If they pop into my head, then I will. But I'll never sit down and try to think. I don't think I ever had a Trump joke. I don't, I'm not against people who do, but yeah, some no, great I, ones, I'm sure. But I just never think to write that. It's always like more personal or like, that's yeah. another thing too with like those current events. It's such the likelihood of landing on something that someone's done already is real yeah. high. Yeah. Unless and you so exhaust it, right? Like, unless you gaff again the thing and just do it from literally every possible angle that's, right. that's out there and it's bacon, like outside of that. I yeah, there's know. comics that are really great at that. <laughs> and so I just have never been into it occasionally, you know? I'm like, yeah. I want something that'll sort of work forever or that's personal, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you don't, you don't, there, you, it's not the, it's not the taboo of something. It's just no. whether or not you think of it. You no, no. I would never avoid any kind of subject if I thought it was funny. Yeah. I had an original idea and it was funny. I would absolutely do it no matter what. Because right. I'm sort of like, I'm, I don't think I'm as dirty as I used to be, but I've definitely painted myself in the corner of like, you know, I, I don't think I can, I can't go do corporate gigs with my act. So yeah, I haven't steered clear stuff. But it's just like as I get older, I you know, when in my 20s, I had a ton of sex stuff because I was drinking and doing drugs and chasing women so it was like yeah. that's what my act reflected it in my 30s i got sober so it was a lot more about my ocd and my sobriety now in my 40s you know i don't do as much about that it's like it's not about being a force there's some stuff about being middle-aged in there but yeah it's sort of yeah whatever's so, going on yeah. at the time in it's my great. life yeah again that i think speaks again to the authenticity but listen we're gonna take a quick break i think it's a good spot to take a break and uh, everybody if you guys want to check out paul hooper's album you can find it on uh, itunes or amazon it's called tense and uncomfortable on stand-up records we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back At Ortho Carolina, my personalized orthopedic care doesn't have to wait because after hours, urgent care knows accidents happen. Ortho Carolina, my care, my way. Schedule your appointment today at orthocarolina.com. Get ready. Broadway is returning to Charlotte. Blumenthal Performing Arts has an incredible selection of upcoming hits, including the returns of Hamilton and Wicked. Plus, the long-awaited Charlotte debut of Disney's Frozen and many more fan-favorite musicals and plays. Season tickets are on sale now at BlumenthalArts.org slash BPA Broadway. Wash your hands, avoid sick people, and touching your face. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. Brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. At Ortho Carolina, my personalized orthopedic care feels like home because video visits bring my provider to me. Ortho Carolina, my care, my way. Schedule your appointment today at orthocarolina.com. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a good time talking with a very talented Paul Hooper. I don't know what that extra enthusiasm was there. I, I got I like into it. it. I like it. Love it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been a blast talking to you about this stuff. And I kind of wanted to go back a little bit to the beginning. I try to get pe into people's origin story. And you said that, you you know, this was kind of your, seemed like a first love, first thing out of the gate for you. I mean, were you were you the funny kid in school? Were you the class clown? Or, I mean, what? No, I was a shy kid. And then uh, somewhere in like fourth or fifth grade, there was a kid that I made laugh in the class. And I remember I would make him laugh. I don't think anyone else did. And like, just sort of to him. And I tell jokes at the lunchroom to my friends and stuff, to like three or four guys. And I could make them laugh and stuff. So there was some of that early yeah. on or make my family laugh a little bit. But no, I was too shy. I was really like terrified. A lot of stage fright. Really? Yeah. And stage fright. Yeah, stage fright. I remember this one time there was like a family vacation. 
and my family, like my dad, my mom and dad were divorced, and my dad got remarried, and my stepmom's family, like at this beach trip, their extended family, like, I don't know, I feel like 30 or 40 people came, and there were a bunch of kids, and then one night, you know, in the big house that they rented, the kids, there were kids getting up to sing, and they were like, you're going up next, and I mean, I just had a breakdown really? of like crying, and like, they had to like reassure me I wasn't going on stage. <laughs> I was losing it. I mean, I feel like someone wow. had a gun to my head. Panicked. And so, yeah, as a kid, I was terrified. So those thoughts, even as I got to be 18, I want to do comedy somewhere in my teens. It was in the back of my head. But, you know, I was still like uh, terrified of it. And then so when I grew like at 19, I signed up for the Navy and oh, didn't okay. go. Right. They let me sit for a year and a half in delayed entry. And I didn't go because that was another sort of dream that I had that I want to sort of go the military route. But I feel like comedy was stronger. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I went that route, I'd never do comedy, which I, I don't know if it's necessarily true, but you're so young. It's like, I'm signed up for the military and they said it was a five-year enlistment. I remember thinking that's like, I'll be 25. My whole 20s will be gone. So yeah. much of my life will be gone. Sure. I don't, I can't. And you're like, you realize now in hindsight, that's ridiculous. Right. <laughs> 25 still, you could do whatever <laughs> yeah. you want at 25 yeah. years old. Yeah, you're still, going, still a knucklehead at 25. Yeah, but I was I mean, like, oh my plenty God. Plenty of mistakes to be made. <laughs> it felt like a 50-year enlistment. And I'm like, right. I can't do this. And I'm like, I'll never get to do comedy. So I went comedy instead. And it still took me, you know, from 18, 19, I was still thinking about comedy. And definitely when I didn't go in the military. And so from 19 to 22, when I, that's three years of just like, you know, stewing on it and like thinking and then stopping by the club or trying to figure out a way, like trying to find comedy books and stuff like that. So Really? Yeah, yeah, it was always there, but... Yes, I'm saying, it was always there. There wasn't the... You, you weren't thinking about being an actor and went into comedy. You weren't thinking no. about, you know, getting into, I don't know, being a filmmaker. It was literally like, do I do stand-up or do I... Like, that's a pretty focused thing for a 19-year-old. It and, was. Well, I mean, you, you asked my family, it was a mess because of, like, the dead-end jobs and also that I had dropped out of high school in the 10th grade twice and finished at a community college and got oh, wow. my high school, got my diploma, not a GD, I got my diploma and all this stuff. So I started after puberty, I sort of went haywire. And then, yeah. and then once I finished that diploma, I was like, I realized like the real world of like, oh, grownups, you got to get a job. You got to go to college. You got to go in the military. You got to do this comedy. I knew it was not like realistic. And I was so like, I'm terrified to go on stage. So I'll probably never do it. I didn't yeah. really, be- I didn't know, but I'm like, I have to try. And so there was all that. So for that 19 to 22, there was a bunch of dead-end jobs. And my yeah. mom like, what are you doing? Right. I mean, just quit a job after two days, start one for two weeks, quit it, quit it, quit Of everything. An irrigation company, a warehouse, working at a, like a driving range, working at a gym, doing everything. And then I just, nothing sounded good. Like going back to college, there was a time where I was like, all right, what do I want to be? But I've screwed up my high school so much. You're not going to be a doctor now. And you're like, Oh, I got to right. go make up credits to just get started at a community college. I'm like, I have no dream. There's no job that I want. I don't want to be anything that other people are. I don't want to be any of it. And I don't want to get married and I don't want to have kids. I didn't feel anything that I guess other people feel. Right. I just like, what am I obsessed with? And it was like comedy. That's always the way I was as a teenager up. If it was skateboarding, guitar, the idea of going to military or comedy, there was always an obsession. So there, there's some really strange version of clarity in, in everything you're saying. Like at 19, really? to really have that the perspective of all this, of, of, getting, of saying, I'm not going to put time and effort into something that I know that I don't have an interest in. That in itself is, I think, is not necessarily unique, but the idea of like processing all of that and going, comedy is the only thing that's kind of getting my, my heart rate up at all. It really did. Even in spite of like the fact that you have stage fright, you're like, no, but that's the thing. That's the thing. That clarity is, is impressive, I think. I really, I mean, it seems like it was a terrifying mess in my head because I was just like, there were all these other things. There were things, obsessions. There's many. The, most people would be a hobby for most people, but even as a kid, I took it way too far. I mean, I always thought about that of like, if, as a kid, I was like, if I really love doing something, I'm like, how can I go pro? That was my escape from real life, I guess. I'm like, how can I make money at the thing I love? And it would just be one after another until comedy was just the big one that was yeah. always sort of there. And then, you know, once I, got, once I got over the fear and did it, it's the only thing I've stuck with in my entire life. Most of yeah. the other things were six months or two years or whatever. Sure. And, yes, that chasing, that, chasing that fun, I have to say, that's one thing I think we have in common that I, you know, all my decisions were, I like, I like movies. I want to work in movies. So then yeah, I did that. Right. You know, yeah. I, I did go to college, but you know, my dad's an engineer and I, all these family members, all this other stuff. I was like, I'm gonna go over English cause I want to write. Yeah. And they were like, why are you going to do that? Just don't go. <laughs> you know, yeah. They didn't really say that, but that was the idea. It's an English degree. What can you do with that? You know, it didn't matter. It's the only thing I wanted to do. I was like, oh, I'll just go get the degree in that. So, so chasing that yeah. is again, that's, that to me is a, there's something to be commended, you know? 
So you obviously had a an interest in stand-up. Were you watching it? I was then? watching it a ton. Okay. So I was like, so I'm 45, so born in 75. So the 80s, you know, was like the heyday of comedy. Yeah. So it was on TV. So we just got right. cable at some point in the 80s, or I don't remember exactly when, but I started to see those early specials, Eddie Murphy stuff when I shouldn't be watching uh, it, all that stuff, like a lot of comics. <laughs> but then all that evening at the improv, every stand-up show, VH1 mm-hmm. had a stand-up show. A lot were corny, but as a kid, you didn't know. I was always fascinated by it. Even yeah. like the corny comics in suits, and those ridiculous and the <laughs> stupid jokes. But I was like, I would watch all of them. I loved it. Yeah. it was, I love the HBO stuff more, like right. the really raw stuff, but whatever I could watch, I watched it. It was um, Evening at the Improv and uh, Caroline's Comedy Hour. Caroline's Comedy Hour, yeah. And then VH1 Stand-Up Spotlight was yep. later. Yeah. Rosie O'Donnell, that was like her first mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I remember watching that. Then uh, what's his name? Bobby Collins took over or something. Yeah. So any stand-up, then MTV had a comedy hour, where, like Mario Joyner was the host. Yeah. And then Comedy Central did something with like Janine Garofalo. Was the, I would watch all of it, just all right. of it. I was fascinated by it. But I, didn't, I don't know if I had much faith that I would ever get the nerve to do it. Right. Now, uh, how did you overcome that stage fright? I think it was out of desperation at that time. I had a girlfriend at 22. I had those dead end jobs. I didn't go in the military. So things were like drying up. Like, I need to make a decision fast. I felt like I'd decide what I was going to do with the rest of my life soon. I felt like at 22, it was just like I had wasted now. Like, everybody's off and running doing something. <laughs> what am I doing? I feel like a 60 year old loser or something. It was, <laughs> I guess it's self-inflicted. Yeah, at 22, just like my life. So look at that. I've wasted everything. <laughs> I don't know why there was this pressure. Amazing thought, yeah. Well, the girlfriend I was with at the time, her dad owned a computer company, a computer software company or something. And so she just went to work for his company. And at some point, you know, a couple years in, she maybe wanted to get married and a dad offered me a job there. And it was going to be like 50 grand to start as like a 21-year-old or something. And I was like, and... Wow. So it was all this pressure, I think, you know, because I had a girlfriend, not that she was like really pushing hard, but it was all these people that just like, you know, she was already had like a serious job and bought her first house at 21. And I was seeing all this as like a young adult. And I'm like, I guess this is what you have to do. And I'm way behind. (laughs) I didn't realize that's sort of, you know, it's a rare thing. Yeah, rare, rare. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) And then, you know, my mom's on me, not in a harsh way, just in a way like, what are you going to do? And then I just felt it. And I saw everybody else had done something, had picked something. But I would want to do something I love. So, yeah, finally, I think the desperation. And then somewhere early on, my grandmother died, who I was really close with. And I remember going through that early on. And that sort of nudged me into it, too, of like, and to keep going and overcome the fear of like someone I love is gone. And one of those sort of things of like, you only get so much time on earth and then fuck it. You know, you might as well go for it a little bit. Yeah. That sort of attitude. Yeah. Nudge you past the fear a little bit. But I remember thinking that first time I was going to go on stage. In the first few months of comedy, I'm sure if not the first time I thought that, it's like, I thought, I remember walking my dog that day and how nervous I I mean, absolutely panicked. Really? At three in the afternoon. Almost like <laughs> shit my pants walking around the neighborhood. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> Why you could have you- told me I was going skydiving that night and I'd been more calm. <laughs> you, I can't think of anything you could tell me other than you're going to kill me at six o'clock or eight o'clock. I was like, I'm like, I get, this is the worst feeling I've ever had in my entire life. I hate it. This is like being a five-year-old knowing you're just going to get a shot, like a needle right. or something. Yeah. And I was just like, I can't. This is the most excruciating. I dread every second of this. So I was like, I gave myself outs of like, <laughs> you can drive to the club and still leave. You can go in and say hello and still leave before the show wow. starts. You can leave before they call your name. And so I just took those steps yeah. all the way till they called my name. And I just happened to walk up and I had a couple beers in me, but I mean, I was just in a panicked, heart thumping, breathing heavy. And I got through it. I think I was supposed to do five minutes. I think I did two and a half minutes probably. Right. But the first couple minutes were actually okay. And then I think I ended it with shitty. I think I wrote a joke that <laughs> afternoon. They're like, don't do that. And I just did it. You don't know. But it was such a high after those two minutes. Yeah. It might have been a minute that actually got laughs. But I was like, uh, that's, it. that's it. And then I remember, so that was probably a shitty set. But I, I was hooked. And then the next five weeks, the next five sets, I bombed. And you start having yeah. those thoughts of like i'm i'm done i mean there's like other comics have started that are crying after sets and stuff and you're like jesus christ so there's some of this like i'm not gonna let that happen right yeah i'm fucking nervous the guy that cried and never came back ever again right i'm like that sucks and then my seventh time i feel like i did good beginning to end once again you know looking back that is probably shitty but for me i felt like i did my time and i got off started on a laugh got off on a laugh the feature that night was reno collier Oh, I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was nice to me, and we like smoked weed and drank after the show, and they sort of took the club managers nice to me. And then, I don't know, from that seventh time on, then I was officially hooked. Right. I'm like, no right. matter what. So the bombs weren't as bad. I hated them, but I was like, I'm in. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like that first show, 
you went you 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 had the whole switch the at the paranoid you know just flop sweat to yeah. the high on stage of i actually got through this i did this yeah I mean, this um, is just a, like an extreme version of, I mean, that's the way I am to this day. I still notice now. I didn't notice till recently. That's the way I'm with everything in life. Not to that extreme, but I'm real bad starting off and I make it miserable. Everything that's new in life, I make it miserable because I overthink it right. and put way too much pressure. Right. And I'm jealous of people that just go, with, well, I never tried this. It'll be fun. I'm like, fuck that. This is crazy. This is awful. It can go wrong i can tell you a hundred ways this can go wrong <laughs> and so i make it real bad and then it takes a while to get that clutter out right and then boil it down to what it is and then just go all right go just do it and i still overthink <laughs> it more than most but that's everything in life just comedy was just more extreme that day but i'm like that with every too right. <laughs> i dread this everything just your this is your yeah. lot in life man is to yeah. kind of worry about it stress about it and yeah. exa- exhaust it and then you're good then I'm good. It takes a while. If I yeah. stick with it long enough, I can usually get pretty good at whatever. It's just that initial phase, that first phase, I'm really terrible because I'm like, fucking. Is there just, a name? They're giving this thing a name? Like, who is Hooper Syndrome? <laughs> it is. Is that it's what they're going to call it? I like it. <laughs> yeah. The first few times. And it's miserable when I do it with everything, man. <laughs> everything in life. And what happens if you don't get on that stage the first time? With my life? Yeah. You know, I don't know what happens. And it probably gets... It would be pretty dark because, I, I don't know, I'd started to drink. <laughs> I don't know what I would do. Would I go back and sign up for the military? Maybe. Would I marry that girl and work for her dad's company? Maybe. All those are, yeah. I met you're just, you're John Cusack. Just like, I don't want to buy anything or process anything. <laughs> or <laughs> that yeah, whole speech was you. Yeah. Literally, she's going to get the job with the dad's help. And he's like, at the end of it, he's like, I don't want to buy anything, process, process anything, bought or sold or sell anything you have to buy or process. <laughs> Honestly, man, I just want to kind of hang out with your daughter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. And maybe I blew it because then I'm like, you know, 22 years of comedy. I mean, and you know. The business side of it, you're like, Jesus Christ. But I mean, I'm still glad I did it. I mean, man, you, you look healthier than you've ever looked, man. I mean, you know, we've, we've known each other for a little while, but I mean, yeah, you're like in super great shape now. You work out like a madman. You're That's like the addict in me, too. Yeah. Of like another obsession that really helped during the pandemic. So, yeah. It just landed on a healthy one of like, you can sort of go off the deep end with exercise. Sure. Sort of giving yourself a heart attack running or doing something stupid. But, right. And it was, sort of helps you. So I like that. So it's like, it's sort of a side addiction. Yeah. You know, oh, it helped me through the pandemic. It's of like, to have a side addiction. A side addiction. It has to be. I fucking hate hobbies. <laughs> I hate hobbies. Oh, I don't know. Oh, it's got to be an addiction. If it's a hobby, it's, it's a fucking it sucks. Hobby. I hate it. If you go, let's go play frisbee golf, and I go and I like it, I still think in my head, I'm like, could you go pro? Could I go pro? <laughs> I never think of, let's do this once a month. I'm like, fuck that. I don't like it. It's like people say, I want to yeah, drink yeah. one beer. What are you doing? Three beers. I don't understand. It. They're healthier people than me. <laughs> but I'm like off the deep end or I hate it. Super. I want no part of it. Hooper syndrome. That's right. You got it, man. Something. This is going to be a, this is sort of a dumb question because I'm curious where, where you, where do you want to go? And this is like a big cheesy question, man. I mean, you got to, you got to something. I mean, you're, you're crushing it. Like I said, man, you heard my intro. I'll, I'll, I'll read it again. It's, you know, you've got, you're doing great things. You're just all over the country doing great things. Is your, your goal to, to just kind of keep doing that? Keep just going wherever you want to go and, or do you want to, get on front of the camera do you want to you know write shows you i love the life of like being on the road not the shitty road that you know we've all done of you're in a bad town bad hotel bad money the crowd's not there for comedy like but the good road i always love of like you go to a city and do three nights of shows or two nights of shows and the hotel's decent and they pay you okay and then the crowds are there to laugh like that i could do until i die yeah i love that and i love the travel of it Yep. I love being in a different town. Maybe not 52 weeks a year, but I could do 30 weeks a year for the rest of my life. Right. I love that a lot. I get real stir crazy being in one town. If I live in Charlotte or New York, I want out. I don't like being there for a month. Mm-hmm. I like to go to Denver and Atlanta and Phoenix. I just love being, and I love hotels. I'm okay by yeah. myself in hotels. So I love that. But I think it has to get to a higher level of like pe- drawing more people that yeah. come out for me instead of just a random audience, you know, to make more of a stable living. Mm-hmm. And so to do that nowadays, it's either something through social media, a podcast, or a TV show. So yeah. of all those things, of like maybe starting a podcast, or I've also thought about the writing side too. I wrote like a short film script that I submitted to a buddy for something and it didn't happen, but 
So that side, and I always promised myself I would do more like writing that I didn't do. I just, it's always been, to my, to a fault, I stuck with stubborn and just blinders on stand-up, which mm-hmm. doesn't really work anymore as much. It can, but it's, you got to get real lucky. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say it can. I certainly am someone who pushes diversity in, in everything you're doing, but at the same time, I mean, it's that be, be so good, they can't ignore you kind of a thing. That that to me is what I'm seeing with what you're doing. Your uniqueness and your story, like everything you said, like what, write that TV pilot, man. People will watch that. It's pretty funny shit. It was like I was doing a radio interview somewhere and I was, I, I don't know, I went in a mood one day. I think it was here in Charlotte with Woody Wilcox, who I love. This was years ago. I remember they were pressing me. I just, it was morning. I'm grumpy. I don't know. I think he's probably <laughs> bitching about the business more than I should for a radio interview. <laughs> and they're trying to lighten the thing <laughs> or re- reassure me like it's going to be all right. They're like, the cream rises to the top, don't you? And I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes a ventriloquist wins America's Got Talent. So no, no, it doesn't. This is a flawless business. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like. Totally flawed. You are like, correct. You know, so I'm sort of. I'm lost. I get disillusioned with the business, which I'm sure we all do. It's just, it's, I was, in some ways, I think I have a learning disability. There were some times, like the undeniable thing, because I don't think you, people say undeniable and you'll be fine. I, I hear famous comics say that, and I'm like, I don't know if it's necessarily true. There's got to be undeniable yeah. people. Take me out of it. Take whoever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm undeniable, but other people are who never made it, and they don't have a, a heroin problem. They're not an asshole. They sent the emails. Right. They wrote the jokes. They showed up, and they just... No one cared. Lightning didn't, it didn't happen. Yeah, right. right? There's got to be that out there for musicians, comic actors, all sure. this shit. So this undeniable thing, I don't know. It's like I'd like to think, you know, I think I was a fool to think when I was early in comedy. I'm like, oh, it's like the NFL. If you run this fast, stay healthy, and hit those times, you will go pro. And like, if you're that funny and you kill that hard and you go right. everywhere and everybody sees it, you will get what. You, and I'm like, ah. yeah, you get on the real Sometimes. world and you're like, I, yeah, that doesn't feel. That that feels yeah. like, you know, the hero wins at the end of every story. It's like, no, that's not reality. It's not reality. And yeah. it's foolish that I thought that way. But, you know, I, I think it's stubborn. And I think maybe out of laziness, I don't know, that I just stayed in stand-up. And I was for so long. And a lot of it changed over the years, too, of what yeah. was happening in 2008. It's not happening now. And so how you do it keeps evolving or changing so fast that... yeah. I, I will say though, I, I don't think that's a bad attitude to have though. To to have the undeniable attitude, to have the yeah. hey, listen, if I keep doing this, something good's gonna happen. Maybe that's what's happening. Maybe that's the good is you continuing to do it. I don't know. I'm a real super positive spin guy about that. It's probably annoying, but I just I don't think there are worse things to have. Right. You know what I mean? That then then the attitude of, yeah, if I keep doing this, maybe it'll happen. Yeah. I mean Depends, I just, how are you gonna handle the bitterness on the other end is is the harder part. Are you gonna be are you going to, not you, but this, this person we're talking about, is that person, they're going to come to terms with, this was just a, a good shot that I took. And it's, right. you know, I'm not saying you be a good loser. I'm just saying yeah. like, you know, it's still, still pretty badass life and effort or whatever. And I do believe like, you know, if people can do like high quality work, it, there's still a place for it. Of course, there's still like, yeah. there's a way it's just, yeah, it's, now it's different. So I, you know, I'm still trying to figure out a way. And, you know, this pandemic, there was honestly, there were thoughts during this. I'm like, is it done? I mean, all comics probably thought, is this done? Is this over? Yeah. You know what I mean? But I had those real thoughts because I think I went into the pandemic sort of burnt out. And then halfway through it, I didn't write a lot in the middle of it. And then I was sort of like, all right, it's gone. This is gone. Yeah. And then I sort of just got asked to do shows in January to go to Atlanta in February. But I wasn't reaching out to people. Right. They just club asked me if I want to do next week. And I just said yes before I even <laughs> thought about it. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do comedy ever. And then, and then I did it, and it all came back. of like, oh, I still yeah. really love this. And so whatever's ahead, whatever I have to do, this is what I want to do. Yeah. You know? I wonder if the reprieve was a little bit of a, you know, that reboot, that, that little distance, you know, turned out to be a good thing. Yeah. I heard a lot of comics say they were burnt out. Yeah. Of especially like comics in New York that had to go out seven nights a week and that whole yeah. grind of that thing of like, yeah, they needed a break, a breather that they could they wouldn't allow themselves to take. Because right. you're being lazy or you disappear, people are gonna forget about you and you're not gonna yeah. get booked. All those fucking paranoia. It's not paranoia, it's maybe real. And so it gave a breather, you know? Yeah. And so there there's a I'm sure I've quoted on the here before, but there's a quote from an an improviser. They were like, you know, what do you got to do to be a, to be a great improviser? And he's like, yeah, live your life, go to work, have a family, have experiences, go do the, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. That's the stuff that you're going to feed for, off of, right, and, yeah. and put on stage, and maybe maybe we're kind of experiencing a little bit of that. But I like I like when you're disgruntled. Someone asked you, so uh, here's a, here's a tough one for you. What 
What are, is there any pet peeves uh, in comedy <laughs> that you uh, oh, that, that get your blood pressure up at all? Like, uh, and I ask everybody. Pet say, peeves, just pet comedy. Peeves. Yeah, I mean, hacky jokes. Sure. I mean, I fucking hate that. Or <laughs> just bullshit jokes. You yeah. know what I mean? Or that, that someone's done. You know, you've heard it a hundred times, told in a hundred different ways. Like, yeah. Why are you still doing that? Yeah, why are you still doing that? I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's like what I see on stage or what, it, there's two different things, like in the business, what I hate and what I hate on stage and stuff. Yeah, I'm just, I like stand-up. Whatever the story is you're telling, just make it original and whatever, whatever your style is. So when it's like tricks and bullshit or stuff that's been done a million times, I hate it. We all do that, like yeah. try to pride ourselves on doing original stuff because that's the hard yeah. work versus phoning it in or, you know, breaking out props. I don't. I don't know. I just. I'm not into that puppets and shit. You did I mean, say with a, with a certain bit of something on your voice there, and you said props. Props. <laughs> yeah, I had someone in mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to trash them. I don't want to plug them in any way. <laughs> but yeah, if you're bringing fucking props, uh, fucking uh, props. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's good. All right, good. Well, one I always bring up is what else? If you're a comic, oh, yeah. and you say what else on stage. It's, I want to tackle you. I want to run up and tackle you. Yeah. Someone that. beat that out of me early on because I was like, <laughs> I never got into the what else thing. I would see yeah. it a lot in New York. Really? And they, they, you know, and they catch a, you know, beating for that too. Yeah. Like, the comics, the good comics don't, but young ones do. And so I don't know what, who told me not to do that early on. I'm glad they did though. It is, it is it just scr- a chalkboard, scratching a chalkboard. It's the worst thing. What else? What else is going you, on? You, you tell me what else. You're up there. This is your time. Right. You're forcing us. Here you, I wouldn't fault them for it if they said what else, and then called themselves like, oh shit, I shouldn't. That's a bad thing. But it's always that what else that's very self indulgent, and like, yeah, then you're going to take some a few breaths and just stare at your notes, (laughs) yeah, float around the stage, whatever, and waste everybody's day. Yeah, like you don't have to finish your time. You don't have to do all the time. You could get it. You can get out of there. No, yeah, I get that one. I hate it. I hate it. I just got a couple of these jokes that I kind of standard uh, questions. Um, Your closer. How, do you have one closer? Do you mix it up? And do you, how often do you change it? Um, every year or so. So like a headlining set, like I close on uh, this Ric Flair story now in a headline set. Okay. That's a real story. And um, so, but sure I, I know this one, actually. I didn't do it the that show we did because we had no. 10 minutes. But Right. So I don't do it in 10-minute sets. Yeah. But I do on the road closing because I still really enjoy it. And I couldn't do it in short sets in New York. So for New York, there'd be like, or for short set, if you tell me I'd do 10 minutes tonight, there's two or three things. One, I think I'm going to close on and then two things in case I can't get to it or I'm like going over time or something like that. So like two or three things. In short sets, it changes up. Yeah. And then in longer sets, I'll stick with one that I really like. Like the Ric Flair story, I'll stick with for a year. I was doing it before the pandemic. I got it working took a few months to get it working and then I finally got it working. So I was like, I want to close on that every night unless mm-hmm. there's a disaster, something's going on. There's a heckler or something, but and I can't get to her. Or time doesn't allow it, but yeah, usually a year. Then I beat in the ground. I get tired of it. Yeah. Go again. Gotcha. But I usually do have something like headline sets, one or two things. Mm-hmm. Depending on the, on the not as many as I have in a short set. I feel like, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm always curious, like how, you know, how often people will shift them in and out or, or are you always like, Reevaluating jokes and being like, "Oh man, this is really developed into a great joke." I think this is my closer now. That kind of thing. Maybe or it just feels that way. I've always yeah. felt like you write a joke, even if they start working. I'm always like, "Oh, that'll go towards the front. That'll go maybe a closer, or that's just something in the middle." Mm-hmm. And it just sort of naturally flows off something else. I don't want to say it's like a segue coming off something else, but I always can feel it like almost immediately. And then the stuff in the middle, I move around. Or I'm like, I'm tired of doing it that way. I can't do it that way five shows this weekend. Then yeah. flip that. I don't think it's making sense or it'd be better moved up. And so I mess with that in the middle. So from five minutes in to five minutes before I'm done, that, you know, 35 minutes, that can get mixed up. Mm-hmm. I mix that together a lot. And put the new jokes in there and stuff like that. But the book in sometimes I'll get stuck with like, all right, I need to open on this or I like open on it this week. Yeah, that was about to ask about yeah. openers too. It's the same deal. So you've yeah. got some. Even more like, because, you know, if you hit on a laugh and you're at time, you can just say goodnight and that's good. That might yeah. be better than what I had planned so you can go. In the beginning sometimes I'm always, because of my attitude or what I look like, <laughs> my resting face. <laughs> I mean, if I say the wrong, I fuck myself so many times. <laughs> But just being flipping off the front or saying something, I was just going to say that. And just saying it. I mean, some comics can really get away with it, but it seems to dig me a hole <laughs> right away. And I cannot get, I'm bury myself in like the first few seconds. So I'm like, not that I need to have this precise, but I'm like, sometimes it's a little loose, but 
like when there's a bit, once I've decided to like click in and get to bits, like it's usually one or two things. Yeah. Right. Right. Until oh. I'm done with that and it needs to be replaced with something strong and then it's in. But yeah, I don't know. Right on. Well, so, so you are, you've uh, left New York for a while, for a minute. Yeah. And I like to ask like fa- favorite comics that uh, famous, not famous, any, anybody that you're just like, ah, you know, who's great. You know, so-and-so from here. Anybody we should be kind of keeping our eyes on? Yeah, he's on great. He's from from North Carolina. Evan Williams. Yeah, you know Evan? Yeah, I do know Evan. He's in L.A. He was in New York for a minute. Now he's in L.A. And he's oh, like really? one of the few Instagram accounts that really makes me laugh because Evan's like great at comedy, but he's also like a great actor too. Right. Man. And then the stuff I've seen, he's super talented. I didn't know talented. he was in L.A. That's really cool. Yeah, he's in L.A. And he's been like coming to North Carolina and back to L.A. back and forth sort of during the pandemic and stuff. But he's putting out stuff like on social media that really, really makes me laugh. And he's a great stand-up, too. Yeah. So I love him. And then, like, Corinne Fisher, you know, I'm not just saying because we're dating, but, you know, she's great. Yeah, <laughs> I've got to see you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> she's, she's awesome. She's awesome, too. So Very cool. Like, yeah. There's a lot. That's the thing about being in New York. It's like there's so many, like, really, like, fucking great comics there. So it's like, yeah. oh. It's a laundry list of like. I'm really say yeah, the the, the being, being around such great comedy all the time. That's got to raise your game, right? I mean, yeah, and the pressure of like, yeah, and that's the thing too. I didn't realize is like you know you move there. It's like seven days a week too, which I wasn't really ready for. And then uh, now I sort of miss in a way. But yeah, everybody's out and everybody's working hard, and because everybody's risked a lot to go there. Yeah, sure. So pack up, move, live in the most expensive city in the country. So yeah, the ones that mean it, right. like they're really busting their ass and ambitious, so they'll outwork you. It's like yeah, interesting. Yeah, very interesting. They're great. Uh, any other places you're thinking about going? I, mean, I don't know, man. To... That's the thing. Someone asked me today about that, and I'm like, I may go back to New York. Mm-hmm. I'm not ruling it out, but then also like L.A. I wouldn't rule out of it either. Although Texas sounds appealing. There's a lot happening there now from what I understand. More and more. I know, but you just want to like pile on and be the, you know. I, mean, I sort of, that's the I type know. of. It's still ground floor though, right? I mean, that feels like still a ground floor thing uh, that, that's happening there. I almost moved to Austin in 2007 with a girlfriend that I had at that time. I was sort of in North Carolina. I was doing the road a lot. I was sort of like burnt out a little bit. And I was like, I'm going to go to a place that if I'm going to do comedy there, that's fine. But I want to live in a place that I really like. I was sort of tired of Charlotte and we went and looked at it and we just didn't move. Didn't yeah. make any sense at that time. And then, so I look back and like all these years, I'm like, but I could live in Texas. I go down and do Dallas and Houston and stuff. And I'm like, I like Texas. Yeah. I like somewhere in space and I can breathe and stuff. And if I go sure. back to New York, it's not New York. There's people that love New York. Listen, I love, I went to New York for comedy. I would have never moved there for anything else unless right. it was another lucrative, like a job. But I never dreamed like a lot of people and a lot of comics that moved there that always want to live in New York. I'm yeah. not pressed by New York. It makes me crazy. Sure. It is a crazy place. That's and I stayed there for 10 years. I'm like, I can endure it. If you're like, you got to live the rest of your life. I'm like, I can survive. I'm not going to kill myself, but I'm like, I'm not going to enjoy it like all these other people. I'm like, it's yeah. buildings and concrete and steel that stress, not stress me out every day, but I'm like, it's just not pretty to me. And I don't, sure. it doesn't energize me like it does other people. Being around that many people and that many buildings versus you put me out where I can see something green and like I can get some space and catch a breath. I mean, I feel better like that as yeah. a human being. And if I can do comedy at the same time, you know. Well, you can't often be a human being and a comedian at no, the same time. No, I know. So. You know what I think? Is I tell someone this too. Is I think people are like, where do you want to live? I'm like, I'd love to be in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I, what the problem is, is I just leapfrog. I jump to <laughs> retirement dreams. Like there's no club in Santa Fe. The airport's extremely expensive. It's all millionaires that live there. I want to live in Sedona. Like I'm a retired movie director or something. And then I'm like, oh, you got to do work. You got to earn something before you can buy the big house on the hill in Santa Fe. I never think about where I want to live now. I'm like, I want to go to Santa Fe and just take... Sit back a little bit. I want to be. I want to be pop pop. I want to. I want to pop pop moving to I Santa want to live Bay, in Big Sur for five years. And you're like, well, well, how much money do you have? And I'm like, oh, I don't have any. But yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I got to earn something. So for now, maybe I don't get to choose. I'll get to choose something that I sort of like. Like Austin, I think could be a good move for me. And then, so I'm not. It's like those three. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I guess those are choices for all of us in a lot of ways right now. And the other comics are going to Nashville and Denver too and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I did hear a lot of uh, Nashville actually. That's yeah, right. Nashville's like booming and it's great to do comedy and but I don't know if I'd move there. I don't know what Texas sounds appealing to me. So I may do that. I think yeah. I'll stay in Charlotte through the end of the year maybe and then 
make a decision then. See, see what happens. Yeah. Well, that's, that's exciting. You know, no bullshit, man. We're all rooting for you. I think you're just an amazing comic and uh, it's cool you're in town. We're kind of becoming friends and hanging out a little bit, which is really fun for me. I don't know how you're dealing with it, but it's... Yeah, I love uh, it, man. This is awesome. <laughs> this makes me happy. Dude. When we went to dinner after that show the night, I loved yeah. it. I was like, this is great. We yeah. got to do more of that. You Absolutely. Know what I, mean? I was sort of bummed. I'm like, oh, we said we we're going to do it and we didn't do it. And I'm like, all right, now, okay, we should. Even if we don't have spots, let's go to yeah, dinner. Absolutely. Let's go man. eat rotisserie chicken. We're going to do it. Try to calm down. <laughs> That's right. Everybody, you got you could catch uh, Paul Hooper at the Comedy Zone. Uh, we're going to get this right. It's the 27th through the 29th. Don't miss it, man. The, the, the club's opening back up. The world's starting to feel a little bit normal. If you're just looking for an amazing night of comedy, go watch Paul Hooper there. Check out his website. It's paulhoopercomedy.com. Are you on the socials at all, Paul? You yeah, I'm on all that. You know, yeah. Paulie Hooper... Paul E, like my initial E, Hooper, on Instagram. Although it's obnoxious. There's too many thirst traps. Everybody hates it. <laughs> Some might enjoy it, but a lot hate it. So, But that's my Instagram. A lot of nudity. And then Twitter, at Paul Hooper, and then Facebook, you know, a little bit. A little bit. Just there. Google Paul Hooper Facebook. It should be there. There you go. Brian, we got anything to, to push here? Good, sir. The Comedy Zone opening back up. Uh, Memorial Day weekend, it sounds Memorial like. Day yeah, weekend. So, that's right. So in all seriousness, we made... Kind of fun of it early on, but now we're all eyes on Memorial Day weekend for the Cowboys <laughs> opening up, and we're holding on tight. Yeah, we're gonna just <laughs> cross see. our fingers and don't hold your breath, but like we're all we're gonna go there. And also, uh, bears mentioning as we record this um, on Tuesday night, Paul also set to appear on the Prime After Prime podcast on the Queen City Podcast Network this week as well. So yeah, I mean, it's a Paul Hooper podcast festival. This, this dude is in demand. And Doing some time in this building. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> You're here more than I am. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, we would love to have you on the show, man. We're going to make sure that you're still the guy who's got the record for appearances. So Thank you. Thank you so much. If anybody else is getting close, we'll bring you back I, I stay on. ahead of Tom Simmons in every aspect <laughs> of life. And Brent Blakeney was throwing some Yeah, I know. Don't let him catch me. Don't. Excellent. Well, that's our show, everybody, uh, for Brian Baltashevis. It's a Comedy Zone podcast. I'm Jason Allen King. I think that's my name. We'll see you all next week. Thanks. The Comedy Zone podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the Abbott Exchange Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone podcast are Brian Heffern and Brian Baltashevis. Talent Wrangler is Mike Hall. Original music composed and performed by John McKeever. <laughs>